You're listening to the New Life Podcast. We're one church in multiple locations based out of Aberdeen, South Dakota. We hope this message helps the gospel come alive for you and gives you an opportunity to encounter Jesus in a whole new way. For more info on New Life, you can check out our website at www.newlifeaberdeen.org. Let's get ready to listen to today's message. And so as we get started, uh, just good morning. I feel like I'm maybe rambling a little bit. But I just feel like you're not engaging in the good morning process. So good morning. morning. Are you guys excited, like myself, just to be in church? Just to be worshiping? Just to even be online and know that there's stuff going on? Uh, So this Sunday, we've carved out a space where we're kind of between things. And that's usually where we land in the fall, that there's this space when school starts where we're between different ideas. And so what we're doing is we're closing out the Old Testament where we spent the summer. And we're going to officially do that next week, and Pastor Micah is going to preach next week on the end of Malachi, the end of the Old Testament. And then this fall, we're walking into the book of Mark, and we're going to be there all fall, and we're just going to focus in on the gospel. We're going to focus in on Jesus. But right now, as school is back in session, and next service, there'll be a bunch of college students who are just having all sorts of questions in life and, and, and getting connected. And I even saw some of the college students here at the first service. But we're at this time where we can... Just carve out something that needs to be taken care of, maybe like a housekeeping item as a church, where we can head into the fall. And so we are preaching this Sunday on an opportunity to serve here at this church. And so what I'd ask you to do, you've already warmed it up because you probably sat on it, would you pull out the card that's on your seat that just simply says serve, I say yes to. And there are four main buckets that we're trying to put you in this morning, and maybe you've already served and Uh, You're already a super server, and you're here like Monday through Saturday and Sunday too. Uh, But maybe for some of you, or maybe even a lot of you, this is an entry point where you're going, I love this church, I love what's going on here, and now I'm praying about the next step. And so this Sunday is a next step for you. And we're preaching through the paradigm of women in Scripture. Any women in church? All right, so this Sunday is for you, uh, but men, we're asking you to serve as well. And the reason this story is so cool is it's kind of a personality profile, and so many of you already know this about me, unless you're brand new, that my background is in therapy and counseling, specifically with adolescents, and I love looking at scripture through the lens of personalities and what's going on between the story, behind the story, and what's driving behavior. And if you like preaching from that point of view, the women that I'm going to preach on today is kind of like the home run, because these women have very specific personality types that represent the body of Christ. And their names are Mary and Martha, and they have a brother named Lazarus who actually dies, and then Jesus raises him from death. And so they are very popular in Scripture. Their story is very much like your story. But what I love about their story and what I love about the way Jesus addresses them is you get to see a glimpse of who Jesus is when the public ministry stuff isn't happening. And so in this story, he's not just talking to a Pharisee, he's not just doing a healing on the street, he's not having a quick interaction or, you know, just giving some insight into the kingdom of God or anything like that. He's just simply hanging out with his friends. And I love the fact that Jesus has close and personal relationships. And so, in fact, he's so close to these women, he's so close to their brother That when their brother dies in John chapter 11, before he raises him from death, the shortest verse in all of Scripture takes place. And maybe if you're not a Bible memorizer, you at least know the shortest verse in all the Bible. You guys know what it says? Jesus 
wept. Look at you scholars in the crowd. It just says that Jesus wept, and it's this insight into who he is as a person, that he loves people, that he cares deeply from those people that are his deep and personal friends, because even though Jesus raises him from death, he says Jesus wept at that situation. So turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 10. We're going to walk through this narrative together. I'm going to give you some backstory on Mary and Martha and kind of how they fit into the entirety of the Gospels. But let's get started with this first verse, because as we start walking through this story, I promise you, you are going to identify with this concept of serving through the lens of either Mary or Martha. Let's look at the first verse, and we'll just stop there. The Bible says this in chapter 10, verse 38. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed her into her ho- him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. And the Bible's going to say but in just a second. And when it says but, there's usually this transition that doesn't always go well, especially in Jesus' ministry. But let's, before we get to the but, let's just hang out on what's going on at this point in the storyline. There are these few people in Scripture that have an up-close and personal friendship with Jesus and so they, he would stay at their house, he would eat their food, he would go to their life group, and this was kind of the Mary and Martha type of experience that he had with these people. Most people took from Jesus. Most people, because Jesus is the greatest leader of all time, just, you know, always wanted something from him. These two women specifically just wanted Jesus, and instead of pouring out to them, a lot of, in a lot of ways, they're pouring into him and who he is as a person, and he loved them dearly for that, because he had a hard life. The Jesus of the Bible is homeless. The Jesus of the Bible has no place to lay his head. The Jesus of the Bible has no idea where his next paycheck is going to come from. He just trusts in the Lord, and he does exactly what God has called him to do. And so when he gets a warm meal and a nice nap, he capitalizes it, and he spends some time at his good friend Mary and Martha's house. And when you look at this text, because of the way it plays out, Martha gets a raw deal. And just as a starting point, if you already know the storyline, and you can raise your hands online, or you can raise your hands downtown, and Michael will see you, how many of you can relate to the Marthas of the world because you are a Martha? You're a doer, right? How many of you, I know that about half of you are lying. There's no way that's true. I, don't, I hope downtown's more honest than, than North Campus was. How many of you can kind of relate to Mary? And trust me, you have to raise your hand at one of these. And so let's just start off right. How many of you are Marthas? You're doers. And if you're to be honest, when people aren't doing, you're judging. Raise your hand high. Okay? Now we're getting to Aberdeen culture. Okay? If you're listening online from Peru, just know that this is how Aberdeen works and Peru's a little different. How many of you are Marys where you want to sit at the feet of Jesus and just experience who he is and hear his words? You love, how many of you are there? You love the teaching of Jesus. You love prayer journals. You love women's conferences. You love calling the pastor and talking for a long time about feelings. Not that there's anything wrong. Now remember, if you don't raise your hand and you call me, I already know. How many of you are like that? There's more of you because you have called me, and that's okay. 
and you've shared those things with me. I see certain people, not to pick on women because it's a beautiful gift that a lot of women have. I see certain women in the church I've known for like 15 years. Some of you are almost like a motherly figure to me, and this is your role. You say, I know that these are the things that the church is doing, but here's what I'm experiencing. Here's how the Holy Spirit is moving, and you talk about these types of spiritual things. And so here's what's so cool about Mary and Martha. They have baggage, and a lot of you have baggage as well. And so Mary has a backstory. Mary is actually the same person that before this story takes place meets Jesus while he's at some religious guy's homes. And she takes the most expensive perfume that money can buy, and a lot of scholars think that she probably in her past life was a prostitute, and she takes the perfume and she puts it on his nasty feet because they had sandals and no cars or modern transportation, but they rode by donkey, and you can imagine what happened on the streets But she takes his sandals and she takes the most expensive perfume that money can buy, probably a year's salary, something like that, and she pours it on his feet and then she does something that is so profound and so breathtaking that it's hard to relate. She takes the glory of her body, which is her hair. In the the New Testament, a woman's glory was her hair. In fact, the Old Testament too. And she takes the most precious, beautiful thing about her and she takes her hair before this story, she wipes Jesus' feet with everything on them, with expensive perfume, and she gets profusely judged by religious men around her. And the men are saying about Jesus himself, if he was a godly man, if he was truly a prophet, if he was really a religious leader, then he would know this woman's sins, and he would know not to let this woman get too close to him. And so Jesus intervenes, and maybe you've heard that story before. But that's the story behind the story. And so when Mary's sitting at Jesus' feet... Mary's doing so from a very fresh perspective, that Jesus has saved her, Jesus has redeemed her, Jesus has transformed her heart. She has this personal connection to the Savior, that to be fair to Martha, at this point in the story, Martha probably didn't have quite that experience. And so Martha takes a different tone as Jesus enters their house and Mary's sitting at his feet listening to his words, wanting to hear and be invested in by Jesus as she invests in him. And Martha's in the kitchen getting frustrated because Mary's not doing any of the work. Can you relate to that reality? Here's what verse 40 says. But but Martha was distracted with much serving. It's not the serving that was bad. It's the fact that she was distracted by it. And we're going to get into this as we give this all sorts of application for what it looks like to serve at New Life. But just know that the problem with Martha wasn't the fact that she served. In fact, to this point in the storyline, if it would have just stopped with Martha had her role over here, which was the doing, and Mary had her role over here, which was the caring, this would have been this harmonious event that would have went off without any problems. But the problems came when Martha went from a place of, this is what I do, these are the gifts that I have to offer, to a place of, I'm now distracted because I'm looking at these gifts over here, and I'm not even just morally neutral, I'm just casting judgment on my sister who can never seem to get it right and always cries at everything. I'm reading into the text a little bit. Mary's probably excited when the announcement comes that Jesus is coming over. Martha is freaking out. Martha is pragmatic. She's a practical, hardworking, Midwestern Aberdonian at her core. And so she's saying things 
that Mary's not really saying. She's saying, the house is a mess. She's saying, I'm still in my sweats. She's saying, I've got to go to Walmart. I've got to get this. I've got to do that. I've got to put my mask on. My life has now been an upheaval. And that's okay because I'm Martha and I can take on the world. But my goodness, my sister who always has to talk about her feelings, is just sitting there. And I know Jesus and his sovereignty is all-powerful and all-knowing and the Savior of the universe and knows every hair on my head, but, but I guess I just have to teach him something that he doesn't know about people here in this moment. Because my sister, the way I'm experiencing her throughout the course of many years being close to her, is just this isn't going to cut it. And so Martha has a problem with Mary, and here's where the plot thickens, and this is what the Bible says in verse 40. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and even to this point, it's pretty forgivable, but here's where she really screws up. The Bible says, and she went to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? And now check this out. Here's where it gets incredibly uncomfortable. This is this question that she already feels like she has an answer to. Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. She brings something to Jesus' attention that she thinks Jesus doesn't quite understand, but then she does something that I would caution any of us to do. She starts bossing Jesus around. And of all the people in your life, to boss around, I think the number one red flag, warning, danger, you know, lights flashing moment is if in your prayer life you start finding that you're not just telling Jesus or sharing Jesus your heart or maybe not even just asking questions that you don't understand, but when you go from this place of arrogance where you're actually telling the Savior of the universe what to do, then you probably have a problem with Jesus. And so she brings all this to light, and let's just take one step back with Martha, because this is our case study. Just keep in mind that Martha's close to Jesus. And I love the fact that even though she's wrong, she feels safe enough with him. Here's who he is. Here's his character. She feels safe enough with him to have such an honest conversation. Now, that being said, she's just 100% wrong. But here's what's so funny about the story. Where in the four-verse storyline... And we're filling in the gaps because there's not a lot of verses here. Where in this short storyline did Jesus ever ask her to do all of those things she's mad that her sister's not doing? She just kind of fills in the blank. Well, if Jesus is coming over, then I better get my checklist out. Can you relate? And I better start walking through this process because here's what it looks like when Jesus comes over. And Jesus is just saying, all I wanted to do was hang out. All I wanted to do was hang out with my friends because everywhere I go, people want something from me, and all I wanted to do was just have this moment with you. In fact, I already fed 5,000 people with just raising up a couple of fish and bread. If I wanted to cook a meal, I wouldn't even need you to do it. Martha has this checklist, and Jesus never even asked her to do any of it, and so he responds to her in a very real in raw way, and he says this in verse 41. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. He says, Mary has chosen the good portion, 
which will not be taken away from her. What is the good portion? It's just himself. Mary chose me. Mary's motives were pure. And, and I just want to throw this out there because I can relate more to Mary than Martha. Here's, here's something that you need to be cautious with if you're a Mary and you're going, man, those Mar- Martha, Marcia's, Marcia, 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 those Marthas, those Marthas are messed up. Here's what you need to know about the Mary in this text. She's pouring out perfume earlier. She's sitting on Jesus' words in this story. And it's so easy to relate to her and go, man, you know the reason I don't kick butt like Martha is because I'm like Mary. Well, there's a fine line between Mary and lazy. All right, so let's give the Marthas some credit here because there's just this thin line where I know I've crossed it where I'm like, well, you know, my gifting is relational. Like a few weeks ago, I didn't plan on telling this story, but I'll share this with you. Uh, Eleanor, if you guys met Eleanor, she passes out bulletins and she just loves doing it and she's the sweetest lady in the whole world and she's probably outside of the sanctuary right now listening. Um, if you don't know Eleanor, get to know her. We love to serve Eleanor. And so we... we did something as pastors where we, ha- she has a handicap ramp and she moved from one house to another and for code, because of her health conditions and her husband's, she needs a handicap ramp. And so all the pastors got together and, and you're probably like, man, I already know how this story is going to play out if you were there. And literally for the whole time, everyone worked and then I hung out with Eleanor. <laughs> so partially because I don't know how to fix things. And partially because I think she's a funny lady and she's fun to talk to. And then partially because I can be a bit lazy, right? And so there's this fine line, and the pastors just tolerate me in so many different scenarios, where Greg's, you know, hammering away, and and the rest of the pastors are, are doing their thing, and I'm just talking to Eleanor about how her day was. And so there's a fine line. I didn't plan on saying any of these things. But there's a fine line between Mary and lazy. But Martha in this situation is scorekeeping. Martha in this situation has a bad heart, and Jesus deals with it. And he says to this woman that he dearly loves, he says, I am the good portion. I came here to my life group, in essence. I came here not to be served in that capacity. I can do anything I want. If I ask you to do something, then please do it. But the reason she made the right decision is because all I wanted was just your presence. All I wanted to do was hang out. All I wanted to do was engage with my friends whom I love. And where's your brother at? Because I want to hang out with him too. But I want to use this storyline to conceptualize how we serve, kind of a theology behind serving at New Life. And the first thing I want to share with you is this. Here's how I see effective ministry. In fact, here's how I've actually seen it play out in this church. Number one, write this down. If you're praying about serving or frustrated with your service at New Life, I want to give you an umbrella of thought around this text this morning. And the first statement is this. I heard this several years ago and I wrote it down on my phone. We serve with Mary's heart and with Martha's hands. So taking out the heart issue with Martha and just one person utilizing their gifts and the other person utilizing their gifts, who was offering the better gift? And the answer is neither. They are both vitally important, especially to the church and to the body of Christ. And so pick a team this morning. Are you Mary? And you could be a guy too. We're big enough and machismo enough to handle using this as a metaphor even though it's a woman, right? Men, are we awake? Are you more contemplative by nature 
Do you find enjoyment in relationships, in journaling, in solitude, in digging into the word of God, hearing from Jesus and waiting on him? Or do you find that your service is more geared on doing things? Mary has this type B personality because she's all about being with Jesus. Mary's in the living room and Martha's in the kitchen. Mary, here's how you know if you're Mary. Mary worries about relationships and asks questions like, when Jesus was here, did we get enough time together? Or that, that one time when he was saying this thing over here, this is how Marys think. They're very sensitive people. They say things like, when, when he said this and then I responded with that, I don't know, I need to maybe call him or text him. This is the new, te- this is like 2,000 years later, right? I need to talk to him because I think I might have hurt his feelings. Guess who obviously never thinks that way? Martha, right? Martha has no problem just being straight up with Jesus, but Mary's contemplative. In fact, I heard this said a while back, that Mary has a full heart and Martha has a full schedule. Mary's concerned with her relationships and Martha is concerned with her responsibility. But the beauty of the church coming together is that when these two personalities mesh, in fact, just as a side note, if you're married in this space or online or downtown, how many of you, one's a Mary and one's a Martha? If you want to know if you're a Mary, just ask your Martha. These two personalities, when there's synergy between them in any leadership or marriage or workplace, whatever that looks like, when these two personalities come together, they are incredibly powerful because here's from one Mary to another, some advice I have for you. If you are a Mary, but you don't have a Martha on your team, and you run an organization, it's probably really small and soon to be bankrupt. Every Mary needs a Martha, and so we serve with Mary's heart and with Martha's hands. So here, here's what it looks like, very practical. This week, we had a different service things going on in church, and so there were some things that went out on social media because that's a big way that we communicate around here. And yesterday, I have some pictures of some Marthas in the church that are, that are men. Uh, here, here's some Marthas. Aren't they beautiful Marthas? <laughs> but uh, I think that's Seth, is his backside there. But uh, we, we decided that uh, we're going to create this youth space in cold storage, and we had an extra wall that wasn't needed that was taking up space. And so the Marthas of the church responded to what's going on on the Facebook request, or maybe they got a text from me or something like that. And they just showed up and worked. And I know this thing about men, even though I don't always think like the classic machismo male. I know that some men, like in fact, there was a guy there that I did their wedding a few weeks ago. And in marriage counseling, not to get too personal, but, but I guess I will. Uh, he, it was like if you try to get more than five words out of him, he's a farmer. He, he just wouldn't tell you much. And I knew that in that process, the way that get him involved was to tear down the wall. Because when he showed up, Bright and early, before me, I know that's a shocker, but before me, when he showed up, he just put his head down and worked the whole time, and he had like the strength of five men. And, and so he just knocked out this wall. So we had this Martha project going on yesterday, and you can see that I hope we did everything to code, and that guy probably had something he was standing on besides this guy's shoulders. But you see everyone kind of working together. But now check this out, and it's a bad example because I know these guys, but check this out. You want to know the Marys and the Marthas? Okay, Martha, Mary, are you tracking with me? 
And the ultimate Mary is taking the picture, and that's me, okay? <laughs> but then on the flip side, so we knew we had some Marthas. Actually, the guy that's in that picture is a hard worker. But we know we have some Martha opportunities around here. And then the same day yesterday, downtown had a whole different experience where there was this sizzling summer nights, and there's all these cool cars that we all covet. And one of the things that we've taken on is we say, anything that happens downtown, we want to own it. And so we put these kid zones up, and while parents are looking at the cars, they can literally drop their kids off, and their kids can just play in these bounty houses. And we do all of that to build a relationship. And you see this, this is actually last year's picture, but this was going on last night downtown. And so Mike actually had to train his team. He said, when we're in this moment, it's not about the bouncy house. It's not about working people through a line or knocking down a wall. It's about, let's freeze on that picture for a second. It's about engaging with this guy who's a dad of this kid. And so he had to train some Marthas to think like Mary's. But it's just this reality that some people are thinking, I want to know that guy and invite him to church and a bouncy house. And then other guys are thinking, we don't have the picture up anymore. Other guys are thinking, or girls, they're thinking, man, I just want to tear down that wall. I want to clean that kitchen. I want to set up those chairs. I want to tear them down. And it's not a problem at all. In fact, it creates all of this synergy in the gospel until one side starts devaluing what the other side's been gifted with. Amen? And that's just kind of practically how that works. I'm going to say that again because this is how we serve at New Life. We serve with Mary's heart and with Martha's hands. And so here's the second thing I have for you. Why we serve is as important. In fact, I would even go further with it. I would say it's more important. Why we serve is more important than how we serve. It's all about the why. And as we now offer you these opportunities to get involved today, um, we all have these positions that we carve out as to what's more important. But the reality is all of this stuff's important. And the why is the fundamental question to ask in everything that we do. In fact, I would even say this, and this is something that you don't say your first five years in ministry. This is something you say once you trust that people actually love you as a pastor, okay? Here's what I would tell you now 13 years into working full-time at New Life. Don't serve if you don't have the why right. Because if you serve and you don't have the why right, you're going to disrupt the body of Christ and you're going to give a black eye to the church. There was this thing that happened early on before I was at New Life. I talk about cutting my teeth here, but there was this part-time job I had in college. And I was this part-time youth guy in a liturgical setting. Really great people, mostly elderly. And the reason they brought me on while I was in college for a year was they had basically no youth group, and they thought, well, this guy's weird. He could probably connect to kids. And so I started helping with their youth. And I had literally no idea what I was getting into. I just knew that I probably knew how to connect with these people because I grew up Presbyterian. And they seemed a lot like Presbyterians to me. And so I served that year or two in the church and college and then new life started and the rest is history. But as I served there, there was this lady in this church and I've told about her one time, but I want to go into a little more detail right now about the why. As I was serving in this church, there was this elderly lady who's probably gone on to be with the Lord at this point. And she had this job. And her job was to get a bunch of cookies from the grocery store and to take those cookies and place them in the freezer. And then because she was a Martha personality, she took a step further. Have you ever met someone like this? Probably a German, right? Probably a stubborn German. 
she had a count on every single cookie. Do you know why she had a count on every single cookie? Because I worked there, right? <laughs> and so in my passive-aggressive tone in my mid-20s as a college student who really was just gainfully employed in any level and happy to have a paycheck because I just got married and, you know, my wife needed me to be that provider with a few hundred bucks a month in college. And so as I took on this job, I realized that those cookies tasted pretty good in the freezer if you let them thaw out for a little bit when no one else was around. And so she started counting these cookies and, and it wasn't really all me just eating them. That was some of that going on. But what happened was when I was running youth group, I realized that when kids would come early, they'd want to hang out. And when kids would hang out, they'd start developing this relationship. And when they started developing this relationship, they would then be open to hearing the gospel. And so we would have this time. There was about five or six guys that would show up. And I would serve them each a cookie without permission. And I am telling you, just so you know how this practically plays out, if you don't get the why you do things right when you serve in a church, when you don't get the why you do things right when you serve in your marriage, it has the ability to be an atomic bomb that will go off. Because this lady had the how down packed better than any how I've ever seen. She knew when to get the cookies. She knew how to freeze the cookies. She knew how many cookies she was supposed to get. She knew how to count the cookies pre and post Sunday, pre and post, which was never supposed to happen Wednesday. And she had the process right. And when it was one cookie off, I hope she's just with the Lord and not listening online right now. When she got this, when one cookie was off, it was literally like I had insulted her to her very core. And the takeaway from that, like that story, obviously 20 years later, kind of is, in, is burned in my mind. The takeaway from that entire storyline is she knew all about the how, but she didn't understand that there was a why because the cookie was just a means to an end, not an end in itself. The cookie was to build the relationship on a Sunday or a Wednesday so that people could get to know each other and the gospel, gospel could be proclaimed. And because she knew the how but not the why, everything blew up, at least with me. Where are you at with this issue? Do you know not just how to do something, but you, do you know why you do what you do? And I want to apply this to the gospel. Here's the closer. We serve with an end goal, and Jesus spoon-feeds us the end goal in this text. Jesus looks Martha in the eye, and he has a very frank conversation with her. And he says, I am the good portion. I am the in pursuit. It is all about me. And when I come over, it sounds narcissistic, except Jesus is Jesus. He can say that because it's just true. When I come over, what I need more than just your physical work ethic is I need your affection. And so as you now prayerfully consider how do I take these next steps at New Life, and maybe you're a college student, maybe you've been here 10 years, maybe you've been coming six months, and you just know it's time for you to take that next step. As you serve at New Life, you serve with an end goal, and just so we're all on the same page, Jesus says, you've chosen the good portion when he talks to Mary, and he's saying, I am the end goal. The end goal when you serve at New Life, whether you're washing a toilet, picking up a table, doing the count for this service, taking whatever you're doing, if you're greeting people at the door or you're serving coffee here this morning, the end goal is all about, look at me, it is all about introducing people to a Savior that is 
so worthy of our affection. The beauty of coming to this church is that some of you were on a fast track to hell far apart from God and then the gospel was proclaimed in this environment right here or maybe you were just listening online or you're sitting downtown. I don't know your exact story, each and every one of you, but at a certain point you heard the gospel and your heart broke and you said, man, it's like you were talking just to me. We hear that same statement all the time. It's not because I'm talking just to you. It's because the Holy Spirit, despite all of my personal dysfunctions and inadequacies, is using this time to proclaim the goodness of God's Son, Jesus Christ, who went to a cross and died on it and rose from the dead so you can have life. And he is our end goal, and he is our pursuit. And so we serve with an end goal in mind. Everything we do, if we're washing a toilet, if we're doing a bouncy house project, if we're tearing down a wall, everything is so that the gospel can go forward. And when you don't get the why right, it's all going to become highly dysfunctional and your heart's going to become hard. The good news about Martha is she finally gets it. In fact, we know that she gets it because her brother's dying in John chapter 11. And when her brother's dying and her heart is broken, the one thing she says, because she's probably like this older sister, leader of the pack, the one thing she says to Jesus' disciples is she says, go and get Jesus. The one whom he loves is in trouble. And then she has this beautiful interaction with Jesus himself. But the good news of the storyline is she finally gets it. She finally understands what I want us to understand as a church that we don't just do things to do things, we do things with an end goal. And our end goal, no matter how we do what we do to make this church the body of Christ, the end goal is all about making Jesus Christ known to the ends of the earth. And if that's your heart, I would just challenge you with this. Would you take a next step if you know that you are not plugging in at any deeper level than hearing a message every week? Would you take that next step? You have this card, you guys, and they're online too. And because there's this vacuum of volunteerism because of COVID, this becomes critically important. And it says on the card very simple things. It says children's ministry, which is probably a little more of a Mary, but you also need to be a Martha. So that's kind of your combined service opportunity. It says becoming a Stephen minister. And let me plug that real quick. We have several people, several, several people in this church who have gone through over 50 hours of training and then twice a month supervision, or actually even more, I think it's like every week right now, where they are being trained on how to listen and care for Marys of the world, just take note of this, people who are really hurting. And without this ministry, I can tell you for certain, there would be an absolute overload because we reach a lot of hurting people at this church. There would be an overload of people who aren't getting their personal needs met and spiritual needs met through relationship with another person. And so you can sign up and find out more about that. And Pastor Chuck leads that ministry. We need greeters and ushers. And then we need our Marthas. We need some more people on coffee ministry because we're using the same people week after week after week after week. But would you just take a moment? We're going to just sing ourselves out of here. You can put with the offering bucket out front. You can put your card in. Or maybe you're already serving and that's fine. 
would you just take a moment, and even when we're in our final song and the praise team's coming back up, would you just prayerfully consider, God, how would you use me? You know that I'm a Mary, or you know that I'm a Martha. How would you use me for your glory with an end goal in mind to make your son's name great? Because I believe not only in what New Life is doing, I believe in what you're doing, and I believe that you're using New Life as a vessel to make your son's name great. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the hope that we have in you. And as we just kind of turn our attention this August Sunday off of everything going on around us and sermon series that we're about to jump in, and we just look at this real question of we need more people, hands and feet, doing the work, I just ask that you would prepare our hearts, that you would raise up new leaders, and that you would allow this area of service in our life to be a tool that explodes the local church for your name to be great. We love you, Jesus, and we pray this in your name. And everybody said? Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray this message connected with you, and we hope it gave you another way to connect with Jesus and your New Life family. For more ways to get plugged in here at New Life, you can visit our website at www.newlifeaberdeen.org. Thanks again for listening and have a great week.